Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This incident occurred some time in the fall of 2006. I grew up in a rural part of Ohio. My house had fairly dense woods located directly behind it. As a child, I had a passion for exploring. I especially loved exploring those woods. It was my favorite place to be. Prior to this incident, I had wandered through those woods many times, always with my mother's permission. There was one tree in particular that I frequently enjoyed to climb, usually about to the halfway mark so I could perch myself on one of the heavier branches and just relax as I listened to the peaceful sounds of nature. Climbing that tree for the very first time was quite an accomplishment. From that position, I could partially see the back of my house. On that day, after a fair amount of exploring, I carefully scaled my favorite tree. I seated myself on a sturdy branch and took in the view. Naturally, being late in October, the sun inevitably began to set within a few minutes. I always felt a little saddened to see the darkness approaching. The woods were like my own little sanctuary. I could entertain myself out there for hours. When darkness began to fall, however, my mother would stand at the edge of the woods and call my name until I obediently returned home, so not to be stranded out there after dark. After watching the sun set until I could no longer see it, I began my descent down the tree. I was nearly at the bottom when I heard my mother's familiar voice calling my name. I thought nothing of it at first as this routine had occurred plenty of times before. Then I realized something strange as my feet touched the ground. My mother's voice was coming from behind me, deeper in the woods, rather than towards the entrance where she always stood when she called me home. My mom had never entered those woods before, at least not with me. I was eager to find her and show her all of my favorite spots before it grew too dark. That's when I realized something was off. How could she have gone into those woods ahead of me? Certainly I could have missed her, but as I said, she never entered those woods. She continued calling my name, but there was something strange about it. She sounded absolutely frantic, almost angry. Fearing that I was in trouble for reasons currently unknown, I froze in place. As her voice drew closer, I squinted my eyes to see if I could locate her and determine exactly how angry or upset she appeared to be. However, I didn't see anyone or anything unusual. Suddenly I heard her voice calling my name from the direction of my house, sounding much calmer. Seconds later, from somewhere within the woods yet again, it wasn't an echo. I wasn't imagining things. I was literally hearing her beckoning me from the edge of our backyard, as well as ahead of me. My legs suddenly turned to jelly. I couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. Come here right now, the voice that I originally believed to be hers screamed from just ahead. I realized that whoever or whatever was mimicking my mother was drawing closer. I didn't question which voice was actually my mother's, as there was something about the way it sounded that unnerved me. 
terrified of what I would see if I stood there much longer, I turned around and ran towards the exit of the woods as quickly as my legs could possibly carry me. It was amazing that I didn't trip over anything in my haste. Even though my house wasn't very far away from me from where I was standing, those woods had never seemed larger to me than they did in that moment. From behind me, my mother's voice continued to call my name, now sounding desperate. Panic set in as my actual mother finally came into view, waiting patiently as she usually did until I returned home. In my frightened state, I absolutely refused to look back. As soon as I was out of the woods and in the backyard next to my mother, the other voice was suddenly gone. Rather than fading away, it seemed to stop the very moment I stepped foot into my backyard. I must have looked as frightened as I felt because my mother asked me what was wrong. Slowly but surely, my panic subsided. I didn't say anything until we were safely inside the house with our doors locked. I asked my mother if she had entered the woods. Appearing confused by the question, she told me that of course she didn't. With that confirmation, I hesitantly asked her if she had heard anyone else calling my name and yelling. The answer to that question was also no. Although I was still very much shaken up, I managed to explain everything that happened as clearly and rationally as possible. My mother was surprisingly nonchalant about the whole situation, explaining that I must have imagined it, that I was spending too much time out there by myself. The incident in those woods had stayed with me to this day. I can still hear this voice as clear as a bell. Whoever or whatever is calling my name sounded exactly like my mother, but I know it wasn't her. Not only was she waiting for me outside, but the voice also sounded strange in a way that I still can't fully explain. I didn't go back into the woods until I was 17 years old, and even then, I never hung out for very long. I've carefully gone over every possible explanation, but none of them seemed entirely plausible. It certainly wasn't my mother playing a prank. There was no way she could have pulled it off, not to mention the fact that she's never been one to play pranks, I also highly doubt that it was anyone else because as I stated before, we lived in a very rural area. The closest neighbor was at least a mile away and I wasn't personally acquainted with any of them. How could they have known my name and where to find me? We've since moved out of that house, but my mother and I occasionally discuss the incident. She still claims that she never heard or saw anything unusual out there. I know it probably shouldn't, but what happened in those woods continues to bother me. I spent many hours out there prior to that day and never had anything out of the ordinary occur. The best explanation I have at this point is a doppelganger or possibly a demon, but I'm unsure. If anyone has a possible explanation as to what might have happened, I'd love to hear it. I'm a 23-year-old female used to not believe in ghosts at all. I'm a psychology student and used to think that everything can be chalked up to someone's own anxieties and fears. That was until last year. This happened in Colorado Springs on Gold Camp Road. If anyone knows what I'm talking about, you know that this place is a hotspot for urban legends and creepy ghost stories. The road is located on the side of a mountain and has several large tunnels dug through the mountain that you have to drive through to get to the end of the road. It's mostly used to get to scenic routes that overlook the city and hiking trails. 
There are also all sorts of scary stories that I'm sure you've heard of if you grew up in the area. The story goes that a bus full of small children crashed within one of the tunnels after it partially collapsed, and the spirits of those children are trapped in the tunnel. Supposedly, if you drive in the tunnel at night and come to a stop, turn your lights out, and put baby powder or flour on your windshield, little ghost hands will smear the powder all around. Also, I'm not sure if this story has any validity to it, but I've been told a lot of people dump bodies over the side of the road. The cliffs and heavy wilderness apparently make it a good place to hide evidence. Anyway, this was all nonsense to me. I would drive the Gold Camp Road about once a week during the summer, as it was a beautiful night drive to take with friends and there are several pullover spots to smoke with relative certainty that you will not encounter any police. Now, I won't be offended if you think that the fact that I was a little out of it may have contributed to what I saw. Anything's possible. Anyway, my friend, a 21-year-old female, and I spent about an hour one night smoking, walking around the scenic spots, playing music until about 3 or 4 a.m. Again, we had been doing this exact routine all summer and were used to the dark, creepy tunnels and the heavy woods at night. And this particular night was no different. That was until we started ascending to the peak. I'm not sure how to describe the feeling of getting to a certain point on the mountain, but it felt like a distinct passing over. There was a specific moment I remember feeling that we were in a completely different location. It was kind of like the moment in Spirited Away when all the spirits come out at night in the city in the beginning. It was like nothing was there and we were all alone and suddenly it just felt extremely populated. We couldn't see anything and it was still dark, but it was like there was an energy all around us. It was like the sensation of being in a loud crowd without anything physical happening. I started to feel really uneasy and my friend told me she was getting a little creeped out. I told her it was okay, we were almost to the second tunnel and then we would descend. We entered the tunnel and the headlights lit up everything to the end. That's when I saw it. A very distinct, clear-as-day little boy was just standing to the right of the tunnel, almost touching the wall. He didn't look exactly like a real boy that would be standing there. Instead, like an overexposed film photograph of a little boy. My friend and I both gasped, and I slammed the brakes dramatically. And then, just like that, it was gone. Now, I don't mean he disappeared... I mean, we realized he was never there. You know that shock you get when you wake up in a dark room and you see a jacket hanging on the door, and for a split second are convinced someone is standing there, but as soon as your eyes adjust, you realize there was never anything there at all. It was like that, but there was nothing that we could have mistaken for any type of figure. The tunnel was lit up by headlights and there was no rock formation or pattern in the wall or anything just smooth rock wall and the bright light of my headlights. I have never seen anything like it. What convinced me is that my friend saw it too, and neither of us had the stereotypical reaction of mistaking something for a ghost, like just jumping or feeling a shiver. I slammed my brakes because I was positive there was a child, and then suddenly, there never was. It's the most bizarre experience I have ever had. I will never doubt the existence of the paranormal ever again. All I can say is, don't always discount urban legends. They have a funny way 
of reaching out to you. I have a 10-month-old son, great kid, and is starting to crawl and move around on his own. Tonight, before I put him to bed, he passed out on this big pillow in our living room after he had a bottle. I picked him up and put him in his crib in his room down the hall, then let the dog out and sat down to watch some TV before I brushed my teeth and went to bed. My dog walked down the hall to my bedroom to go to bed, and about an hour later, I get up to turn the TV off and notice my son asleep, facing away from me on the same pillow I picked him up from an hour before. Now thinking that, given his skill level at walking and crawling, there's no way he was getting out of his crib, down the hall and back there. I chalked it up to me not paying attention. So I walked over, picked him up, slung him over my left shoulder, went over to the front window, shut that, and went back down the hall to go to put him to bed. I opened the door to his room, turned the corner, and with the dim light from the nightlight, noticed that he is in his crib, rolled towards me asleep. It took me a second to put together what was happening. How did I have him on my shoulder, and he was in the bed at the same time? What felt like a millisecond later, I heard my dog kind of bark or whimper in a confused tone right behind me. Then I looked to my left, bringing my arm down to see that his stuffed animal monkey is in my arm. Now I am sure as anything in my life that I picked up my son and that I would have known the difference between a 25-pound kid and a one-pound stuffed animal. Now I've checked the carbon monoxide detector, the windows were open, and I've only had a single beer tonight. The weirdest thing, though, is my big old black lab will not leave my son's room. I truly, really am baffled. I am originally from Pakistan, specifically from a village near the city of Gujarat. The village is like a really small town, essentially. It has a hill in the middle with a hundred-year-old home on top and some really old trees. The trees are like the ones you see in those horror movies, really dark with weed-like things hanging off of them. The home belongs to the village's Nawab, which is a social caste in Pakistan, a high one rather. The home is decorated with amazing tiles that after a hundred years still look amazing. The rest of the home is deteriorated due to the Nawabs moving out of the village. My grandparents' home is in the same village and is pretty much ancient to any modern eyes, and smack in the middle of the home is a grave of some supposed saint. It's more like a tomb with a decorated door. You can go inside and actually see the grave. It's actually quite a nice grave, decorated with marble tiles, has some calligraphy on it, and even has its own lighting. I assume all of this is to show respect to the saint. My mother, after she got married to my father, lived in that home with my grandparents since it's Pakistani custom that the wife go live with the in-laws after marriage. One day she told me that she decided to take a nap outside near the grave. She goes on to say that she woke up from her nap, and when she opened her eyes she saw this extremely tall figure. She described his height as never-ending. It almost looked like his head touched the sky. She said he was wearing a traditional Pakistani men's dress called a shalwar kameez. She didn't see the man's face, but said his feet were huge. This was spooky enough on its own, but 
What spooked me out even more is when she told the story again at a family gathering, her twin sister said that when she was visiting her a few years back, she too decided to take a nap near the grave and woke up to the same figure. Never-ending height, same dress but in a different color. That same aunt who is into spiritualism and even deciphers dreams says that she thinks the saint protects the home. I have to admit even I felt weirded out by the grave sometimes but never felt anything malevolent coming from it. Then again, I am not really a spiritual person. I asked my dad who lived in that house for his childhood. He said his aunt said that one day she was alone in the house and around dawn time she would usually light a lamp in the tomb. This particular day she forgot to or for some reason didn't. She then went on to say that at dawn, when she would go to lock the door leading outside, the lock would keep opening when she'd return to her room. The way she knew this is because this was an old door with old locks with those metal rods and handles you twist and turn to lock. They make a lot of sound when being opened or closed. Now to get back to the outside door, you have to pass that tomb. She said that she locked the outside door three times, but it kept opening for some odd reason. She said the fourth time she went to lock the door, on the way she decided to light the lamp in the tomb, then went to lock the door. After that attempt, it didn't open at all. My dad also tells me that this isn't the only grave in the village. He also said that he ordered the grave to be renovated and a tomb to be made to protect it from the elements. He says that there's a bunch of graves inside land owned by folks and even inside of other people's homes so you never know what kind of spirits or entities lurk around there. This past Saturday on January 5th, my great-uncle passed away unexpectedly in his home. We will call him Uncle Will. Myself and about 20 members of my family met up at Uncle Will's high-rise apartment, which was not far from where I lived. We stood outside his apartment door while the police and people from the morgue cleaned up the scene and prepared to remove the body. Immediately after they left, half of us entered the apartment. My relatives start the process of removing contents from the fridge, disposing of cigarette butts, empty bottles, etc. I'm just aimlessly walking around the apartment, which is a one bed, one bathroom, when suddenly I get this urge to download the Ghost Radar app. I have always been into paranormal and was anxious to see if my uncle's spirit would come through. I didn't think anything of it when I opened the app because the first two words that populated were children and community. But as I walk into his bedroom, the app flashes enter, and as I'm turning towards the bathroom, it says almost. Then all of a sudden I get this feeling to want to search the linen closet. I see normal bath products, but there is a box that appears out of place and looks like it has important documents on it. I look down and there is a money order. The app then says, exact. I'm holding the money order in my hand and in walks my aunt who shouts, Oh my god, she found the money order. She looks at me and says, How did you know where it was? I told her I had this feeling and the app sort of led me to it. I had no idea that they were looking for it. It turns out the money order was his last rent payment. I would like to think it was my Uncle Will communicating with me through the app one last time. Now two days later, his younger brother Uncle Jay, who had been battling cancer for less than a year, passed away. 
I also learned that after Uncle Will visited my Uncle Jay in the hospital just a week before his passing, he was crying profusely and saying he would rather leave than watch his younger brother die. This has been a very difficult time for my family. I'm still in disbelief that we lost two loved ones in such a short period of time. I have worked at four different hotels. One of my owners once told me that any hotel over ten years old will have had deaths in it. The only hotels that don't are because they are brand new. So I started asking the others on my call arounds. Every hotel in my area had at least one death in the past three years if not more. If it's had deaths then 100% are haunted and 100% of older hotels are guaranteed to be haunted. In my six years, I worked shift for two deaths at different hotels. One natural, one worse. My ex worked at a hotel with one room that was never rented and used as storage because it was the site of a well-known serial killer double homicide back in the 60s. Deaths in hotels are not rare. I do not subscribe to the death equals haunted formula. Of my hotels, only one acted haunted in my time there. I was strictly night shift, sometimes 7pm to 7am, sometimes 10pm to 7am. At 11pm I would get to lock all the doors and deal with people through a night window. I love this as I generally dislike people but I am good at acting the part of wonderful customer service employee. Hospitality is my middle name, but after 11pm I got to close off my domain of lobby slash office, front desk and breakfast room all combined and be left alone till breakfast. So I think that's all the setup I need for you to know about my private little kingdom under lock and key where all this takes place during my solo hours. A few weeks into my job I was scrolling on my phone and bam, the breakfast room doors thundered then rattled to a stop like they'd been kicked by a mule. I glanced at my security camera which focuses on those doors, nothing there. I rewind a few seconds, nothing so I go a bit further, still nothing. A full minute back and rewatch it till the moment I see myself jump on office cam. Nothing. The doors don't even move. But I've heard kids slam those double French doors. That's what they sound like. That's where the noise came from. I walked around the office, lobby, and breakfast room peering out the windows cause maybe I'd heard a car wreck. Nothing. I check my bucket. Nobody is in the room above my office or breakfast rooms. These are often the ones we sell last at the morning activity, or me playing music for myself at night, and it sometimes disturbs people. This exploding door kick becomes a theme, but it's not just the breakfast room doors. It's the lobby doors that I can clearly see out from my perch behind the counter. Even more unnerving, the private office entrance door that is unlabeled and only employees use to enter the back of the front desk becomes a target for these sporadic unseen kicks. I keep a FD journal of anything that happens during our shift, anything that might be an issue for other shifts, complaints, special requests, anything out of the norm. I start noting the sounds in the journal and ask my coworkers if they've noticed any strange noises. Nobody else has, even the other night shift workers, but they did have a high turnover rate. Other than the front desk manager and housekeepers within six months, I was the next longest employee. Other night shifters never lasted than three months and I worked every Thursday, Friday, Saturday and Sunday so they always got weekends off work always but 
never stayed long. Next, the ice machine started coming on and just spitting ice out onto the breakfast room floor. This was less common than the booming doors, but it happened a handful of times in my two years there. It never happened on anyone else's shift as far as I could find out. The owners just said it was a machine malfunction and mostly ignored me, telling me just to clean it up when it happened and reminded me to put out a wet floor caution sign if it was near breakfast time. Yet the owners were Indian and after this started showing up at dawn and blessing my kingdom more often. After that was the clicking. If you've ever heard a dog that needs its nails trimmed trotting across a hardwood floor, that's the noise. At first I was on the lookout for a big rat or other critter, but security cameras and my vigilant searched arm with a broom yielded nothing. I still told the owners to call pest control to be safe, but they found no evidence of a furry friend, caught nothing, and bait traps were left untouched. This became a routine sound too. Near the end of my time there, I was on my phone with a friend one night on the far back of my office, away from the desk in the L part where my industrial coffee makers are and a small whiteboard we used to track daily numbers flew off the wall and smacked me almost square in the face then dropped to the floor at my feet. It was odd because it's fallen before and it ends up straight down on what we call the load desk where the manager works during the day. I was several steps away, say roughly eight feet from that desk. There was no breeze to make it travel at an angle, and even if it had, it was mounted just barely above face level for me. It had to travel nearly straight sideways to smack me in the mug. I laughed it off, but I really kicked myself for not using my camera and getting a recording of the security footage at the time. It's the strongest evidence I've ever had of any of my paranormal events, and I just derped out. I guess I did have bigger issues in my life at the time that I was talking to a friend about, but boy was I dumb. Feel free to tell me how dumb I was. If it speaks to how distracted I was during that time in my life... That was when I worked straight through a death one empty room away from my office and didn't even notice. Now I assume most people that browse here are at least somewhat believers of the supernatural. I however am not. It probably makes no sense that I am posting my stories here but although I believe it to be my own mind you might perceive my stories differently. For context, I was diagnosed with schizophrenia about two years ago, although the psychologist said it was a minor case, whatever that means. For years, I've struggled with illusions, figments of my imagination, although I have seen a variety of oddities throughout the years, four have remained consistent. I will briefly describe these three conjurations. One, the man. This one is the simplest, the easiest to describe and least unnerving. I see this man in corners. He stands still as stone. Whether he is facing me or not is impossible to tell. All I can make out is the silhouette. That's about it for him. He doesn't do anything aside from that. He doesn't appear on camera, which supports my belief that it is a figment of my imagination. 2. The Tall Figure This one scares me. I see it outside, whether it's standing behind a wall peering over me or in and out of the hallway by the doorframe of my room. I get a strange feeling when this one is nearby, a heavy weight in my chest, and my biggest concern about this one is that my friends claim to have seen it too. 
In fact, one has taken multiple photos and some of them appear to have the strange formation which I will post if requested. 3. The Crawling Thing Simply the thought of this makes my hair stand up and brings tears to my eyes. I have seen this guy more than any of the others, and this thing quickly scurries towards me only to vanish when my eyes adjust enough to almost make out what it is. I hear whispering and sometimes screaming just before I see it. On one occasion I was holding my cat, walking from the kitchen down the short passageway to my room when something screamed in my ear. I let out a loud and fast scream and had to catch my breath. I realized that I had dropped my cat. I turned to see her staring into the darkness, eyes fixated on something. I simply stared. I saw something move in the darkness. I rushed to grab my cat and ran into my room. I entered panic mode. I locked the door and closed the windows. I understand now that that's stupid and would have made no difference, but the genuine fear had clouded my mind. Instinct kicked in, and I needed to be isolated. I sometimes feel like I'm losing my mind. My anxiety is consistent and I barely sleep without medication. I will continue to try and document these things. I will try to catch them on camera. Perhaps I tell myself they're in my head because that way I know they can't physically affect me. But of course, I might be wrong. Time will tell. I used to live in a modern apartment complex with a doorman, an elevator, and a sliding key fobs to access your space. One morning I had just gotten off of work when I took a shower and prepared for bed. I work 7pm to 7am so this was my usual routine in the morning. After the shower I closed the bathroom door and sat at my kitchen table preparing cereal while I watched the morning news. I started to nod off to sleep between bites of mini wheats. Suddenly I hear a plastic bag rustling. I look behind me and notice that my boyfriend has hooked a plastic bag onto the trash can lid with a note that says, I'll pick up bags later. I turn back to eating when there is another rustle. I ignore it and start nodding. The bag starts rustling louder, almost violently. I call out sleepily, oh, Leave me alone, man. I stand up to put my bowl in the sink when there's a huge crash in the bathroom with glass breaking. I quickly run to the bathroom and swing the door open. There's nothing out of place. I start talking to myself. You're going crazy, Jack. Must have been somewhere else. The toothpaste flies off the bathroom shelf and lands in front of where I'm standing. Alright, I'm done. I closed the door and started walking away when I hear a loud bam against the inside of the door and I jump. Leave me alone, you're scaring me. I keep walking when I hear a faint knocking sound on my apartment door across the room. I assume it's a maintenance man and shuffle over to the open door. Suddenly the knocking stops and I hear an old man's voice on the other side and keys jingling and the sound of locks turning. We use electric key fobs. I'm extremely confused and look out the peephole. No one. I open the door and look out. The hallway is clear. Suddenly the maintenance men get off the elevator. I ask them if they're performing maintenance on the apartments on my floor and they said not today. They just came in to fix a leak upstairs and trace the damage below. I close my door and walk to my bedroom. I quickly slip under the covers. Before I can lay my head down the bag rustles. 
I lift my head and listen, but it stops. Again, before my head touches the pillow, the bag starts rustling. This happens four separate times. Mess with the bag all you want. I'm going to sleep. I start to hear keys jingling again. Now something is tapping the inside of the bathroom door. It's like a weird crescendo of noise and I can't take it. Stop! All sounds stop and I lay my head down and close my eyes. I hear an old man's voice and my eyes pop open. It sounds like he's speaking into a microphone. Hello? 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 The final hello sounded like he seemed annoyed. Do you think I care about making contact right now? Let me sleep! The apartment is quiet and I close my eyes, listening to the news. Abruptly, the television goes off by itself and I fall asleep. Like I said, it happens often, but I mostly ignore it. I live with my great-grandparents, my grandma, my mom, and my brother. My great-grandparents got this house 50 years ago and have lived in it ever since. My grandpa passed away last October, and his stuff is currently in my closet. I stay in an old storage room, so everything that is not put into use is in my room. So ever since I got this mirror, around Thanksgiving, from my grandmother, crazy stuff has been happening. My grandmother got it from a kinda sorta not completely abandoned house. The landlord moved out of that house but left some of his stuff there, so my grandpa took some stuff, which is where the mirror came from. My grandparents lived in a bungalow behind the house. When cleaning out the house, I saw the mirror and asked my grandmother if I could have it because I thought it was pretty. I did not know how old the mirror is, but it's kind of worn down. Anyways, the mirror was sitting on the bookshelf because I hadn't hung it up yet. One day I was cleaning my room and the mirror literally flipped and landed in the middle of my room. There was no logical way that this could have happened because I did not make any movement that could have caused it to flip and it went too far, it was kind of like someone pushed it. The mirror didn't crack, it was completely fine, so I didn't think much of it and set it on my dresser so it wouldn't fall again. Maybe two weeks after that, my deodorant was sitting on my headboard and flipped and landed in the middle of my room. At the time, I was on my phone with my boyfriend, so I told him about it, put the deodorant back, jokes around a bit, and that was it. Now, we were going to talk about things that have recently happened. So me and my boyfriend have basically been stepping our relationship up a bit. And anytime we talk about something like that or we are up to something over the phone, something weird happens. So I went to shower while I was Skyping him and my phone started messing up, so the call ended. I ran out of the shower and called him back ASAP. Took me like five minutes. One night after we were talking about things, it was around 3.30am, he was asleep and we were still on the phone. My closet door started wiggling back and forth and that continued all night. I can't remember anything else that happened because I've gotten so used to it by now. Tonight I was doing something and the bottle that was on my headboard fell right next to my head. Maybe it's because I was moving a lot, I'm not sure, but that freaked me out. And just now as I'm typing this, the wax warmer or lamp got darker and then got brighter. I was talking to two of my friends about it and they told me some story about what has happened at my house. The first friend said my Harley Quinn doll fell off my dresser shelf. 
It's old and it has a huge mirror and two shelves on each side. and landed on my floor so she picked it up and set it on my dresser. When she came back it was sitting on my bookshelf. My other friend said she woke up and randomly in the middle of the night. She couldn't move and saw a white figure in the corner of my room and she started crying. Both of them just now informed me about this tonight. I also have a porcelain doll that I got from my 5th grade dance as a prize. I'm in 10th grade now. I did not know the history of the doll but it had moved before. It's a doll with brown hair and she's a bridesmaid. It started turning and moving on its own so my mom took it and put it in the top of her closet. Maybe the beginning of this year and we haven't taken it out since. But I've been talking about it. Now I'm not so sure if I want to or not. Honestly don't know what to do at this point. I don't know what's going on and it creeps me out. I'm scared to move and if you want pictures of the objects I can give them to you in the morning. It's currently 2.55am. Can someone help me or tell me what to do? It would be much appreciated. Thank you for reading. Several years ago I had an experience where a mirror in my room broke on its own. I was watching TV and heard a loud thud in my bedroom. We had recently had an issue with a peeping Tom so I was concerned the person had escalated and broke into the house. My roommate and I took up our weapons of choice and checked the house for any signs of intrusion but found nothing. When I went to bed that night I noticed the mirror that was attached to my sliding closet door was now face down on the door. I figured the adhesive strips had just come loose but upon further inspection they were ripped down the middle. They were the old school strips that had two adhesive strips separated by a thin layer of foam, not the removable command strips. I shrugged it off and propped the mirror against the wall outside the foot of my bed. That night I woke up to a crash and something shaking my bed. I got up and turned the lights on and somehow the mirror had landed face down on my bed on the opposite side of where I lay towards the foot of the bed. I couldn't think of any logical way it could have tipped over. As I left it at nearly a 45 degree angle specifically so it wouldn't tip over and break let alone how it would have crossed the three feet between my wall and my bed, and still somehow gotten off the floor completely and onto my bed. Needless to say, I was pretty freaked out, but I was also a single person, fairly new to the city, and broke, so staying elsewhere just wasn't an option unless I slept in my car, which seemed even worse. So I cleaned up the mess, investigated the house again, except my sleeping roommate's room, and convinced myself I just misremembered how the mirror was placed when I put it against the wall in the first place. After tossing and turning for a while, I finally fell back asleep. I woke up again with my arms outstretched towards the ceiling as if I was reaching for something. They were already fully extended before I was coherent. When I looked up, it looked like a tentacle was squirming from the center of my light fixture. It was pretty dark in my room, but the tentacle was even darker. I waited for my vision to settle assuming it was just my eyes messing with me at night and because I was freaked out from the previous event. When it didn't go away, I started to panic and rushed to my light switch. I was 100% expecting to turn on the lights and feel relief that nothing was there. But when I turned on the light, I saw a massive black snake slowly slither from the light fixture to the corner of my ceiling and then disappear into the corner as if it was a hole. It was like the silhouette of the snake, similar to how Peter Pan's shadow is illustrated. 
At that point, I decided to pack my stuff and leave for my road trip early. My trip was fine, and nothing crazy happened after that until last night. I don't recall exactly when the first event happened, but it's been at least three years since I've lived in that apartment. I made the mistake of reading about some Three Kings stories I stumbled upon on here before falling asleep on the couch. I woke up to a tickling sensation on my arm. As my eyes focused, I saw a black spider the size of a quarter on my forearm. I panicked and made a brushing motion to get it off my arm. I turned on the lights and moved the couch cushions around to see if I could find it again so I could get it out of the house. After finding nothing, I turned to switch the lights back off and saw it on the wall above the couch. Perfect. I might be able to toss it outside and have some chance of sleeping again in my life. But then the spider casually crawled to the corner of the ceiling and disappeared just like the snake did. I literally got a stole out and checked the corner of the room to see if it was balled up in the corner or if there was maybe a hole or crack it could have disappeared into. Nothing. Is this something I should be concerned about? I've done some googling but everything I've come across is either shadow people associated with sleep paralysis and I clearly wasn't paralyzed or Native American spirit guides, which didn't seem like the right direction either. Has anyone else experienced something like this? I was born and raised in southern Ontario in Canada. My mom suffers from bipolar disorder, postpartum depression, and sometimes she sees or hears things that aren't really there. She had me young, at 17. While my mom was pregnant, she was homeless in Toronto. We couch surfed wherever possible, but for most of my mom's pregnancy, she was eating out of dumpsters. When I turned one, she introduced me to my father. He was living with his parents still, had a stable job, suffered from no mental health problems at all. Fast forward, I'm about two, and my mother and father had worked out an agreement that had seemed to be working. My mom was supposed to be taking me camping the May 24 weekend in 2000. It was raining and I vividly remember that she was angry upon picking me up. We drove for a while until she finally exclaimed that we had arrived. The rain hadn't let up whatsoever so my mom decided she would go set up the tent alone. She was a sea cadet before she was pregnant with me. It was important that I know this for some reason, I think she was just stuck in the past. I watched her set up the tent and then I scuttled over and she closed it. After we set up the sleeping bags I realized I didn't have my blankie. This was a huge deal especially considering my age at the time. I started to panic and cry, but not the ways kids do when they're upset. I had a panic attack. I couldn't breathe and my heart was racing. My mom's response was to scream at me, calling me a spoiled brat and swear. She shouted right in my face over and over. After what felt like an hour of this, she grabbed me roughly, threw me in the car, and packed up the whole campsite. She drove me back to my dad's and didn't come back for six months. Many weekends, just like the one previously depicted, took place and I had learned to deal with the constant physical and psychological abuse. After a while, you get used to it. One weekend, I was about five and playing in my mother's room. My mom couldn't stay in one place for long. Her reason varied for the most part, but she would say people were after her. This apartment she lived in was in an elderly woman's basement. Around 12pm the lovely old lady went out with her granddaughter 
and it was just me and my mom in the whole house. My mom was in the bathroom for a long time, and when she came out, she looked as though she had been crying. I tried to ask her what was wrong, but she didn't answer me. She didn't even look up at me. She just stared into her hands at the matches she was holding. Because my mom moved every six months or so, there were boxes everywhere. My mom pushed all the boxes in front of the door and then started playing with the matches again. My young mind understood what she was doing and somehow kicked the matches out of her hand. I picked them up and threw them out the open window. My mom decided to attack me and called my dad to come get me. As soon as I told my dad what happened, my one-on-one -on -one visits with mom stopped. My mom got married to a wonderful man when I was 9 or 10. She really seemed to be getting better. She found God, started going to therapy, started taking the necessary medication to help correct her chemical imbalance, and it seemed like she was a completely different person. She even apologized to me for how she had treated her only daughter in the past and vowed to be a better mom from her wedding day forward. Before long, they had two boys, 18 months apart. Our family was elated. My stepdad was the kind of guy who wanted to help you achieve your wildest dreams. He wanted to make sure everyone felt included and was just a genuine guy all around. Fast forward, I'm 13. When this summer we went up to visit my grandmother. My mother was pregnant with my third brother Jackson and it was a great week overall. At the end of the week, my parents and brother wanted to head home. Being only 13 at the time, I had no responsibilities I had to get back to and it was decided I could stay another week. When I got home, expecting to see my stepdad and my newly found mom since their marriage, what I found shocked and horrified me. While I was away, my mother decided to put in some extra time at work. She didn't talk to her boss beforehand and he was unable to pay the difference. This set off a trigger in my mom that she had been suppressing for years. She attacked my stepdad. She went for his masculinity, threw things at him, spit in his face and basically told him to man up and go get money or else. My stepdad and his father were both hunters. So after his father passed, it was my stepdad who inherited all of his father's things, including many guns. My stepdad took his unloaded 22 caliber hunting rifle to the bar my mom worked at and pointed the gun at my mom's boss. There was a struggle and my stepdad beat him with the butt of his rifle and then ran off into the night. When I got home from my grandmother's, he was in jail awaiting sentencing. This isn't even the scariest part. While my stepdad was away, I started to feel really lost and depressed. My mom was back in full force and I was starting to question my existence. Somewhere around the end of July, I tried to take myself out for the first time. After my dad heard about it, he pulled me out of that nightmare. I moved schools and I made a few new friends and I started dating. Mostly because a huge piece of me felt missing so I think I started looking elsewhere for it. My mom started to pick me up every Thursday and we would go visit my stepdad in prison located in Penetanguishene, Ontario. We would sit on the other side of the glass and talk to him on the payphone looking thing just like in the movies. During this time my mom would continuously berate me with verbal assaults and yet I didn't understand why I was so depressed. Around October 14th, 2013, I tried to off myself for a second time. This time I decided to go with a more radical approach that left me with some questionable bruising around my throat. I did my best to cover them up with makeup, however it drew many questions out of my concerned father, his girlfriend, and my own boyfriend at the time. I kept it to myself and would say something to the degree of, I'm not sure, or 
don't worry about it, I'm fine. My father assumed my boyfriend was doing things to me and demanded I break up with him, which drove my now ex into a deep depression of his own. He started harming himself as well because of me. As you can imagine, this didn't help my mental state. To try and cheer up my grandparents, my mother's parents, their angels, decided to take our whole family on a Disney cruise. For the first half, I was starting to feel better and then I started to feel seasick. I was throwing up every day and almost nothing would settle my stomach. My aunt made a joke remark that I was pregnant and when I got back from the cruise, I started to worry she might be right because the vomiting continued. After New Year's, I took myself to the walk-in clinic nearest to my house, where I discovered I was in fact 12 weeks pregnant. Two weeks later, I had a miscarriage and couldn't bring myself to tell anyone. For a long time, my mental state made up her birthday, her name, her face, and my fantasy. I couldn't tell anyone about it in fear of getting in trouble as I was only 14, and I became more depressed. I tried offing myself for a third time, and this time my parents noticed. My mother decided the best thing to do was to kidnap me. She picked me up from school before my last class was over and took me to my house, told me to grab everything, and we left. My mom had no contact with any adults, so she started confiding in me. Everything that happened, she expressed in a dramatic tale of events. She told me people were after us, putting sugar in our gas tank. She claimed our neighbor broke into our house. She told me a long list of things that weren't true. For a few weeks, everything was great, and then my mom started to get abusive again. I told her that I was still afraid of the dark, and she locked me in our closet, the light switch on the outside of the door. She would leave me in there for hours and periodically scratch her fingernails across the door. After she would unlock the door, she would hit me if I made a grumpy face. Sometimes she would slap me awake in the middle of the night just to scream, fix your face, in my face and leave my room, always locking me in after. Needless to say, I was living in a nightmare. My stepdad was released from prison sometime in 2014, I'm not sure exactly when, but that's when the real threats came in. People would leave rotting food on our doorstep. One time I found a dead rat wedged in our basement window. I had a stick through its face so I knew it didn't crawl in and die there by itself. We moved out into the country soon after someone slashed our car tires. My stepdad was different when he got home from prison. He was more irritable and ready to snap over the smallest things. My parents threw me back and forth again a few times and then I decided to leave. I moved out with my new boyfriend who was four years older when I turned 18 and life started to get better. I decided to reconnect with my parents and with my dad, it was easy. We started seeing each other on the weekends and then I decided to try reconnecting with my mom. I thought maybe if it was on my terms our relationship could be healthier than before. However, I was gravely mistaken. She found out that I was talking with my dad again and said, you can have a relationship with me or your father but not both. I retaliated by blocking her number and removing her from my life completely. Just as I felt things were getting better, I started noticing small things being moved about my apartment. My boyfriend asked me one day if I had moved his glasses. He leaves them in our room and they were in the bathroom. I hadn't moved them. I like to leave his things where he keeps them so I don't stress him out when he has to get ready for work. Soon, it was doors being left open. I have OCD and one of my tics is doors being closed. I have to have all of the doors in my home closed and when I would come home, they would all be standing open. 
One night, I woke up at 3am and heard our apartment door slamming closed. When I went to see what was happening, all the doors in our apartment stood open, except the front door. This made me hysterical and my boyfriend went to check and see if anyone was still outside. Of course, whoever it was was long gone. My mother and stepdad got into a physical fight. He picked her up by the throat door, so she accused. She was sent to the hospital and my grandmother pressured me to go and check on her, as she lives eight hours away and I was the only person left in our family that could be manipulated into visiting my mom. I went. It was terrible and she made me feel so horrendous and manipulated into bashing my wonderful stepdad. I found myself saying, you're my mom and I'll love you regardless. I also caught myself saying, there is no sides, I'm here for you and my brothers. I left her alone and didn't bother contacting her. Nothing happened for months after this and then around March 2018, I was walking home and I watched her leave my apartment and walk to her van carrying a bag. Needless to say, I've been locking my door religiously. I'm only frustrated with myself for not doing something as soon as I felt something was off. I've found out recently that she had both of her legs run over by a bobcat. I'm glad karma got to her. I just wish I knew the name of the driver. I'd like to send them a fruit basket. My dad's side of the family is really weird. My grandmother had eight kids and ten years with my grandfather, and then my grandfather went off and had an additional four kids with random women. My grandfather was abusive and drank, and pretty much all the children had some kind of mental health problem growing up, leading to more mental problems throughout their adulthood, my dad included. When my grandmother died, I was about 18 years old. One of my aunts, who was very successful, rented out a huge mansion in Florida for the whole family to stay in. That meant all eight children of my grandmother, their spouses and kids, and one of the stepchildren came along with their family as well. Altogether in this mansion stayed between 25 to 30 people. I was lucky enough to get a room all to myself. How the floor plan worked on our floor was that there were five rooms all in a row, and if you walked out the sliding glass door in your room, it would lead you out to a balcony that was connected to all of our rooms. I had the room on the very end to myself. The next room was my two single uncles, room after that was my aunt and her kids, next room after that was another aunt's kids, etc., I love my family, but my uncles are very strange. One of them has schizophrenia. The other one is completely narcissistic. He literally thinks he is Charlie Sheen. He tries to dress like him, tries to act like him, even got facial surgery to look more like him. It's bizarre. I never had any reason to be scared of my uncles regardless of their mental health problems, so I never thought anything of them being in the room next to me. So the first day we were at the mansion was amazing. We had a pool in our backyard and a whole beach. I was very, very tired around 11pm at night. I left the blinds open at the sliding glass door because I wanted to see the view of the ocean as I was falling asleep. As I was falling asleep, I was woken up by a flash. I slowly opened my eyes and picked up my head, and then I saw a figure dashing across the balcony. I was so freaked out I couldn't move. I didn't want to go tell anyone, so I just laid there all night, never falling back asleep. The next day, my family went about their normal routine, but I couldn't stop thinking about the dark figure on the balcony the night before. 
I was hoping that it wasn't someone trying to break into the mansion. That night we were all sitting around for dinner and I noticed that my narcissistic uncle was on his phone the whole time. He's also waving his phone around in front of my face trying to get a signal. So I'm talking to my aunt and my uncle. We were talking about our dogs and we start showing pictures of our dogs to each other on our phones. My uncle gives my aunt his phone and must have showed him the wrong picture because she goes, Oh no, that's... Emily? She looks up at me really confused. My uncle starts acting extremely uncomfortable and snatches the phone out of her hand. He just gets up and leaves. She told me later that night that there were pictures on his phone of me sleeping. It all made sense because of the flash and then the figure running on the balcony. I was pretty scared for the rest of the trip and slept with my doors locked and curtains closed. So my younger sister Grace, who was 12 at the time, and my youngest brother Jonah, who was 5, and I were home alone one day after school. Grace was standing in the office. There was a hallway that connects to the living room where I was standing. So we were talking earlier about Grace going into my room and watching TV. I'm standing there and I tell her if she goes into my room, she'll have to clean it. She was standing near the bottom of the stairs. I didn't take note of it much, so I went to the living room to sit. A few minutes later, Grace yells from the office, Jonah, want to chill in the hammock with me? From the living room, I yelled back, No, he's in the living room with me. She comes in and asks me, When did you get downstairs? I looked at her quizzically before replying, Grace, I was never upstairs. The fear must have set in and Grace started to cry. I then knew that she wasn't lying. Apparently when I told her to clean my room, she saw me say it to her from the top of the stairs. I was in a completely different outfit, Grace recalled, and she was confused but dismissed it as I changed often. Grace also then noted she didn't remember any expression at all from looking at me on the top of the stairs. This happened only a few weeks ago, but we still have absolutely no explanation at all. Now another time, one morning my brother Jonah walked out of his bedroom. He glanced off into the distance, a confused expression placed on his face. My mom asked him, Joe, what's wrong? He replied, I don't know. I saw a black... thing... He was five at the time and lying wasn't really something Jonah would do at all at this point in his life, and if he did, he would have burst out laughing by now. Mom then asked him, was it like a shadow? And then Jonah said, yeah, like a shadow man. It went into Grace's room. He stated calmly, this happened in the same house. Another thing that happens often in this house is we hear our names called, but no one would claim they called our names. Talk about creepy. We're still figuring this out. I'm a young guy in my 20s from Melbourne, Australia. This strange occurrence happened to me and my two cousins, Jill and James, a few years ago, but I still remember it vividly. It was a Thursday afternoon at about 5pm, 
rush hour, when I met my cousins in Central City at a cafe. Jill worked at this particular cafe, and James had just traveled from a city skate park with skateboard in hand. My mom had invited the cousins to dinner at our place in the suburbs, so the plan was for me to meet Jill and James in the city and travel back together in the one vehicle. Jill had parked in an underground car park next to the cafe and below one of Melbourne's classiest hotels. Since the hotel is quite upmarket, it doesn't really cross our minds that the car park could come across as a creepy or potentially dangerous place. Plus, there were three of us, so safety in numbers. We left the cafe and headed down in the car park via the exit ramp for cars as this was quicker than taking the usual route through the hotel lobby. Although the three of us were engaged in conversation, I sensed that someone was really close behind us. You know that feeling when someone invades your personal space. This is what this felt like. I found this odd because there was no one else around. Why would someone be trailing so close behind us? I shrugged it off as my mind playing tricks and convinced myself that it must be an impatient business worker keen to get back to their car and head home ASAP. We continued walking down the long ramp and I still felt the presence of someone behind us. I was starting to get a little concerned now because surely someone in a rush would have simply run around us. I took a quick glance behind me and saw this haggard middle-aged woman hunched over with a bland expression on her face. She seemed to be carrying a knapsack under one arm. Her distinguishing feature was dark blue John Lennon style glasses. This put me on high alert because they were acting strangely and had obviously not come from the hotel or surrounding work buildings. At this point, I did not know whether my cousins have noticed anything unusual. In our family, we have a code to draw attention to anything that seems amiss. Have you seen Stacy recently? A yes means that the family member is aware of the situation, whereas no means they have not spotted anything suspicious. I said to my cousins in a slightly hushed voice, So, uh, have you guys seen Stacy recently? To which my oldest cousin Jill replied, yeah, I have actually. It was nice to know that Jill and James had noticed this too. We continued moving through the car park with the odd lady trailing close behind us. We were headed to the elevator to take us down two levels to where my cousin's car was parked. Still trying to process what was happening, I had expected the lady to walk in another direction. But no, she followed us straight to the elevator. Before long, she was staring at us through those dark glasses as the elevator approached. We didn't feel like we could say anything because despite the red flags to this point, she could have generally been collecting her car. Nevertheless, the three of us shared concerned glances among one another that visualized a WTF. I remember that my heart was racing. Ding. The elevator arrived and we moved into the smaller space. A foul smell filled my nostrils. It was undoubtedly an unwashed smell coming from the woman who again followed us. In reflection, it seemed silly to have entered into a closed space with a creepy stranger. However, my cousins and I were confused by what was happening and continued to keep up the appearance that everything was going along as normal. Jill pressed basement level two and asked the lady, Which level do you need? Just as the doors closed. Silence. The woman just stared at us from the corner of the elevator. I was now totally creeped out and aware that we were in a confined space where we could not call for help if necessary. This was the longest 30 seconds I've experienced as we descended in the elevator. I was convinced that something crazy was about to happen in this semi-private setting, 
and just as such a thought crossed my mind, the woman burst out into a mad cackle and high-pitched squeal. This was followed by mad babbling of incoherent sentences, only amplified by the mirror around the edges of the elevator which projected the creepy lady into every corner. I looked at James and he was pale in the face. I probably was too. Jill took charge and said to the woman very forcefully, You need to stay here and leave us alone. Just as Jill said this, the doors opened for basement level 2 and we ran to Jill's car across the car park. I immediately lost sight of the creepy lady and assumed for a few seconds that she had remained in the elevator. But then I started glancing behind us, worried that she might still be following us. Thankfully they didn't and we got back to the car, locked the doors, and got out of that car park as quickly as we could. We had the entire journey from the city into the suburbs to debrief and we also rang the police to let them know that someone was acting suspiciously in that location under the hotel. In hindsight, I think that it was a bad decision to travel in that elevator. While James said he could have smacked the woman down with his skateboard, we had no idea what she was keeping in her knapsack. It also crossed my mind that we might have got to Jill's car and found the woman still there with us. Who knows whether they may have tried to block our exit or even tried to get into the car. The cackling and John Lennon glasses are of something the three of us will never forget. This happened back in the summer of 2016. My old family friend that I have known since elementary school was going on vacation and his parents that I knew and my parents knew wanted me to dog and cat sit while they were away for two weeks. They have always paid me well and allowed me to stay at their house, eat any food in the house and just relax which overall was nice. To give an idea of where they live, they live in a country neighborhood. It's not just some house somewhat close in the countryside. It was an actual neighborhood two miles out from town. The neighborhood was decent and quiet and it did not seem to have anything odd about it. The family friend's house is one story and has a different layout than other one-story homes. I was working at a factory during that summer, second shift from 3pm to 12pm, so I was only able to go out to the house to take care of the animals in the morning and early afternoon before work except for the weekend. The first creepy occurrence happened only two days into the animal sitting. I got off of work and went over to the house to let the dogs out and to check the animals' food and water. The dogs were outside for about ten minutes and after checking everything to make sure the animals' food and water were good for the night, I let the dogs back in and was laying on the couch deciding whether or not to stay the night at the house and was watching television. It was around 12.45 or so and I was getting tired while watching TV but I had heard something. The house is normally quiet and the animals do not make much noise, so this sound was weird. At first it was faint because of the sounds of the TV and it slowly got louder. At first I thought it was one of the dogs doing something and realized that it was coming from the bedroom hallway. I was listening closer at this point and the noise was slow footsteps and it seems like the person was trying to be quiet. By the time I realized all of this the person was almost at the end of the hall walking into the front living room. I was fearing that this was not my tired mind playing tricks on me. It was too clear compared to times I was imagining things. I was frozen on the couch listening as the footsteps got closer. The person continued walking through the front living room and stopped in the middle of the kitchen. 
I was too afraid to move because of the person maybe hearing me. It felt like over five minutes of the person standing there, but it really was only about a minute or so. The person then turns around and slowly walks back through the hallway, and it fades away because of the sounds of the TV. While the person was walking back, I was trying to convince myself it was all in my head, but as the footsteps fade away and I was starting to calm down, I hear the master bedroom sliding door to the back deck slowly shut. I was again frozen for a moment and then quietly got up and then checked to make sure the living room sliding room was locked or really a makeshift lock because the real lock was broken and the family used some wooden poles to stop the door from opening. Those were in place and then I quietly went to knife block in the kitchen and grab a knife to defend myself and slowly clear the house because I don't know if someone or more than one person was in the house. I should have called the police and told them there was an intruder, but I had no proof, only the sound of footsteps. I cleared each room to make sure there was no one. The first bad thing is the lock to the door in the laundry room to the back deck was broken. When I got to the master bedroom and cleared it and checked the sliding door, the lock was also broken, and the sticks to hold the door closed were also moved. I put them in the rail of the door to hold it. The only working lock to outside doors was the front door. I left the house immediately after putting the knife back and leaving a light on for the animals. I told my parents about it and they laughed it off saying that it was just my mind playing tricks on me, but I refused to believe that because it was so clear to be my mind. The final creepy and scary occurrence happened only two days after the last event. I was at the house around lunch and a little unnerved after that event at the house. One of the dogs at the time had a peeing issue where he would be getting excited and pee himself. I had picked him up to let him outside and he had peed on my jeans. I was annoyed but I could clean my jeans so I let the dog out and had taken my jeans off to clean them. The family's mother made a detergent solution to clean something if the dog or any of the animals had an accident so I was cleaning my jeans with that. I was standing at the counter near the living room and scrubbing my jeans when some old man around his early 70s walks in from the laundry room and stares at me. He had a creepy smile on his face and just his face alone without his smile was creepy. We stared at each other for around 30 seconds and I was glancing at the knife block knowing if he tried something then I needed to get a knife to defend myself. I yelled at him, asking him who he was. He is taken aback for a moment and then says that he's a family neighbor and wanted to see who was at the house since the family did not say who was watching the animals. I respond, how do you know that's supposed to be true? He responds that he can call them and verify that's true. I respond, I'll call them and I'll put it on speaker for you to talk to them. He agrees and I do that. I talk to the mother and ask the name the guy gave me was true and if he was their neighbor. She says yes and then I say that I'm putting it on speaker to talk to him and she agrees. They talk and she apologizes to me about the scare and won't be doing that again. He writes his number down on a piece of paper if I needed something and leaves. When I take the phone off speaker and talk to her again she mentions he had done this to a girl previously and again that it won't happen again. After getting off the phone with her I was thinking about the event and the previous one and from what happened. I can only guess that it was the old man that had walked through the house that night. Even though the old man may not have done anything to me, it is nonetheless 
a creepy experience for him to wander around a house aimlessly while a girl who's watching the house is clearly there. I am a female, now 24 years old, born and bred in Melbourne, Australia. This event occurred six years ago when I was freshly legal to drink and party. Let me start by saying I look back now and think how stupid I was to put myself in that situation. But anyway, you live and you learn, and learn, I certainly did. So it was my first official night out in the town since having my 18th birthday. I was with my best friend at the time, we'll just call her T., we decided to drive into the city and park in the multi-level car parking right around the corner of the club we were attending. We parked and walked and got in the club easy breezy. We met up with some other friends whilst we were there and the both of us stayed sober because we are the type of girls that didn't need alcohol to have fun. Anyway, so it hit maybe close to 5am and after 8 hours straight of dancing, my friend and I decided it was time to head home due to the fact we were so exhausted. We got offered by a few of the guys from our group that we were with to get walked to the car, but declined as we knew that it was only a block away and around the corner. So we left shortly after saying goodbye to everyone, and to our surprise, the sky was relatively dark still. We continued walking up the street, talking and laughing and discussing the next night out. Turned the corner, and to our surprise, a middle-aged man wearing a dark brown, leathery-looking trench coat stepped away from the building out of the shadows and into our view. He turned to us and said with a creepy smile, Hi girls, would you like to make some money? And held out a $50 note. We both politely declined and were ready to walk away and he held his hand up to us and said, I won't touch you and you don't have to touch me, I promise. His creepiness grew at this point and I said no way, grabbed my friend's hand and began walking. We were maybe 800 meters from the entrance to the car park the car was in when I had the feeling of pure dread. I turned my head and realized that he was walking behind us, maybe 20 meters away. At this point in time, I realized that I needed to pull a miracle out of my butt. The streets were empty. It was me, my friend, in the sky. And I was not exactly a marathon runner, especially since I've been on my feet for eight hours already. So I whispered to my friend to run. At that point, we both ran for the entrance, not knowing how far away he was, not knowing if we were actually going to make it to the elevator, hoping and praying that the serviceman was inside the car park, hoping we were just being paranoid and he didn't chase after us. Within minutes, we had made it inside, looked over at the elevator, and the serviceman was standing at the elevator. We ran over to him, puffed out, barely able to breathe. The three of us looked over to the entrance and the man in the trench coat was standing in the middle of the entrance with the most sinister look on his face and a knife in hand. At that moment he yells out to us and says, You girls are very lucky tonight, and walks off into the darkness. The serviceman comforts us both and takes us up the elevator and walks us to our car. We made it home, shaken and horrified but safe in bed. I'm not going to lie. I still have nightmares about that night, just thinking about what could have been done to us if the serviceman wasn't in there, and after that night, I've never set foot in a club again.
I have always been terrified of dogs, anything bigger than a corgi, and I have panic attacks. I used to be attacked by them as a kid, and they used to chase me on my bike and bite me when possible. I've just had all-around bad experiences with them. I just have terrible luck. I know some animals are sweet and kind and not aggressive, but the ones I've been introduced to always seem to have the same patterns. And can you guess what this creature looks like? My worst nightmare. A massive dog. When I say massive, I mean it looks like a bear and a Great Dane mated to create this thing. I've run into it a couple of times, but nothing amounts to what happened about three months ago. So I had my friend Laura over for the day. We were planning on going to this hippie town about 45 minutes away. We were planning on meeting up with some of our friends. The trip was interesting. Me and Laura ended up leaving early due to us both feeling sick. I drove back to my house and noticed that both of our emotions kind of crashed while we were out, which for me being an extreme introvert was normal, but Laura was the opposite and yet she was the one who asked to leave. When we got back to my house, Laura fell asleep on my couch and I just got this overwhelming feeling of being watched. I brushed it off, seeing as I feel like this quite often in my own home and there was no logical explanation I could ever come up with. When Laura woke up, I decided to put on a feel-good movie as to calm our nerves and hopefully lift the dwelling dark feeling around us. A couple of hours passed and before I knew it, it was 1am. Laura lives 40-ish minutes away from my house in this tiny, tiny town in the middle of nowhere. Also, when I say tiny, I mean they legit have one stop sign and one tiny store that looks like it could fall apart any second. Even when driving to her house during the day, you can only really pass one or two cars for the entire 40 minutes. After she left, my heart kind of dropped. My eyesight at night kind of sucks, and even on the way there, it took an extra 15 minutes because I was driving 40 on the 55 because I could hardly see. I was dreading driving home, and I almost asked to stay at her house, but my mom would kill me. So on the way back, going my solid 40 in my 2002 Honda Civic... I was overwhelmed with a terrible feeling. I turned up my music in hopes to distract my mind, but as the time went on, the feeling just kept getting worse. A lot worse. With the cornfield blocking my view of anything around me, I got super paranoid. I tried to brush it off, but suddenly the feeling just got super overwhelming, and I had a random urge to look out the passenger window to my right. I looked, and then the creature darted out of the cornfield. My heart just sank. The panic was shot through my veins, feeling cold as ice. It was like the moment froze. This black, sleek, massive dog sprinting towards my passenger door. My foot pressing down hard on the gas as my heart started to pound, my head screaming with terror. This thing turned so fast, it turned and ran alongside of my car for a solid five seconds. Let me say again, I was going a solid 40 to 45 miles per hour when this happened, and was rapidly increasing and it still managed to keep up. My heart felt like it jumped off a cliff and I drove like the world was ending until I got home, making the 25 minutes or so into a 10 minute trip. I didn't even know when I started to cry, but I was too scared to try to think about it. I didn't want to relive those moments. I ran in and slammed my door shut behind me, locking it and ran to my room. At first I thought I imagined it all, there was no way that an Ohio of all places had an animal like that. I tried to force that idea in my head as I stared at the wall until sleep finally overtook me. The next week I stayed at home, 
hardly leaving my room in fear of seeing it again, and feared that it followed me home. About two weeks later, I worked up the courage to go check the place where the animal darted out. I took my friend with me and retraced my steps, and sure enough, there was a massive gaping hole where I saw the creature dart out from. It was so big that it pushed some of the corn to the ground. But before I got to investigate any further, that same feeling of dread overwhelmed me once more, and I took off. Does anyone have any ideas as to what it could be? Or more importantly, how to get rid of it? This story happened last week when I was at the bar with my friends. We had a reunion after two years of not seeing each one of us. I spent a lot of money there, probably $150, which is a lot considering I'm only 19. The night was good so far, but then comes in a guy. He was, and I kid you not, 6 feet 10, 330 pounds, and looked really, really angry. He just sat at the bar and was drinking for the whole time he was there. After about two hours, he got kicked from the bar because he was harassing a barmaid. We laughed as the cashier guy was kicking him out. He realized it, looked at us with a really angry face, and mumbled something to himself. It was probably somewhere past midnight when we decided to call it a night and went home. I drove there with a friend who was going to visit his parents since my car was broken, so I had to take the bus. But to my luck, there were no buses past midnight and I had to walk all eight miles. I wasn't that out of it as my friend, so it wasn't that hard of a deal for me to walk the eight miles home, but it was pretty annoying. As I went, I noticed there was a guy following me probably 50 feet behind, but I didn't pay much attention to it. Time went by and I noticed he's still behind me, but now a lot closer, probably 20 feet. As he got closer, I could see him beginning to lurch and grow in size. It was the same guy that got kicked from the bar. I had no idea why he was following me, so I sped up and he did the same. After what seemed like 10 minutes, he started yelling at me some incoherent words which I couldn't understand. Right after that, I felt pain on my head and fell on the ground. When I turned around, I saw his silhouette and a broken beer bottle in his right hand. After the realization what happened, I immediately got on my legs, punched him in the face the best I could and started running. He was right behind me while I ran. The adrenaline was in my veins and I ran so fast it felt like I was flying. I heard a bunch of screams from behind me telling me to stop running or he'll cut me. When I heard it, I ran even faster than before. After about 20 minutes of me trying to run away from this guy, I found a treasure. There was a police car with two officers in it. I didn't even stop and jumped on the hood of the car. They immediately got out and started screaming and asking me what was going on. After, they said that they could see that there was blood coming from my head. I was pointing to the path I ran from and started telling them what happened. I told them I got jumped by a guy I saw in the bar the same night. An ambulance was called and I thankfully was taken to the hospital. When I arrived, I got three stitches on the top of my head and some small parts of glass were removed from there. I stayed a night there and police came in the morning to file a report. I don't know why they waited until morning, but whatever. I told them what happened, gave the description of the guy, and got a free ride home. My parents weren't home at the time, so I texted my friends about what happened and went straight to my room on my PC. The same day, I heard knocking on my window. 
When answered, I saw the same police officers I met that night. They told me they found a guy matching the description I gave them and asked me if I could go with them onto the station to confirm they've got the same man. We arrived at the station and went in. They told me to look, and I did, and it was the same guy who attacked me that night. I told him it was the same guy from the bar who attacked me. They filed another report, and I went home. I'm not sure if this is going to go to court or what's going to transpire from that night, but after this incident, I think I'd rather just call a cab. I'm from Sweden. When I was about 12, I had sleep paralysis. In my opinion, a sleep paralysis is a state of dreaming and being awake, and it's also a way for spirits to communicate with a person. My bedroom was connected to the kitchen. It's important to point it out. My family remains on me. My mother, Therese, my stepfather, Jens, and my three dogs, Phantom, Mio, and Thea. Phantom is a mix between Greyhound and Alaskan Malamute. Mio is a mix between Palpion and Shih Tzu. Thea is a mix of West Terrier and Jack Russell. Amazing dogs. Thea was really protective over me. One night, I was sleeping in my bunk bed on the lower level. Then I heard someone walking into the kitchen. This almost woke me up. Everything was dark, so I instantly turned my lamp on because I'm super scared of the dark. Probably my mother turned it off when I fell asleep. I heard the footsteps coming close to my room. Thea and Mio were sleeping in my room that night. Mio hid under the bed and Thea laid herself on my stomach and started to growl. And she doesn't do that when mom comes to check up on me usually. I called out lightly to my mother. Mom would always check up on me around the night. Sometimes I have trouble sleeping. But she didn't answer. Then the door handle started to go up and down. Violently. It looked like someone was trying to get inside, but it was barricaded by something. I stood up and opened the door. I almost peed myself. No one was there. I ran back to bed. The following morning, my mother came in alongside with my stepfather and told me that my great-grandpa had passed away. And that wasn't the end, though. The following night, I was asleep as usual. Nothing special. All of a sudden, my eyes shoot open. I couldn't move except for my eyes. The room is completely black, except for the small streams of light seeping in behind the blinds. All my three dogs were in my room that night, but I didn't feel their presence anymore. Then my door creaks open, and a hand as black like a shadow grabs the door. Think of a Dementor from Harry Potter. The creature then walked into my room. It was a woman. I just laid there looking at her, only my eyes looking all the way to the right, laying on my back, the woman is really tall, covered in shadows, slender-like, but her eyes were the most terrifying in her grin. Oh my god, her grin. It looked like it would hurt to smile that wide. Her eyes were hollow and black and there was this black stuff leaking out of her eyes and running down her cheeks onto my carpet. My eyes were welling up and tears began to flood out of my eyes. Then she began to walk towards me and I began to hyperventilate. All I could think about was panic and then I'm going to die. Mom, someone help me. I began to pray to God. She was so close to my bed now. Slowly as ever, she leaned down, and with that, I got control over my mouth and screamed for my mom. Her eyes getting closer to my face, I closed my eyes. Then I woke up. 
my mother hugging me and stepdad sitting by. Don't worry, honey, it was just a dream, my mother said, hugging me. I sobbed and cried a little more. What was the dream about? I paused when my stepdad asked that. Should I tell them? No, no way. I don't remember, but it was terrifying. I'm not sure if they believed me, but they went along with it. When I woke up the next morning, I was relieved. Maybe it was just a bad dream. I hope so. My mother greeted me in the kitchen. I would like it if you didn't keep the dogs inside your bedroom at night. I think one of them are having some diarrhea because there was this black stuff on the carpet that I had to clean up. I never told them. I'm 17 today and I haven't seen her anymore. I did see a shadow by my bed, but when I said the father's prayer, it vanished. It's an old urban legend called Mara. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's terrifying, and I think it made contact with me. The story didn't actually happen to me, but my mom, years before I was even born. My mom just came back inside after taking out the dog. She was making her way down the hall to my brother's room, around three years old at the time. We had a pull-down attic and there was plenty of insulation up there. She noticed the attic door was shaking. Now, this isn't a new occurrence as the air circulation in the attic caused it to move a little sometimes, but this wasn't like every other time. The door was shaking almost violently as if someone or something was trying to break it open. Then the door stopped shaking and she heard the sounds of hands sliding along the attic floor and insulation began falling from the attic door. At this point she was terrified and, not knowing what to do, continued down the hall into my brother's room and locked the door. What's so strange about this is that there weren't any branches around the house or really any way for anything or anyone to get into the attic in the first place. Also, if whatever it was was an animal, why didn't she hear claws or any kind of scratching? She eventually called my dad after waiting for the noise to stop and asked him to come home. Things like this could be chalked up to many different things, but none of them seemed plausible enough. Many more things happened in this house to me and my siblings as I was born years later and had my own experiences. There was also a bad energy surrounding the house all the time. She thinks that it was 100% a demon trying to scare her. We no longer live there and we haven't had any more experiences since. But if anyone would like me to share, please... Let me know and give me your insight on this. This story happened at the end of the summer of 2016. To give you a bit of backstory, my boyfriend and I were both around 20. My boyfriend Max and I used to share an apartment with another married couple. Mind you, they were awesome. Unfortunately, Florida wasn't what they wanted, so they decided to move to Pennsylvania. Max and I started looking for people to replace them because rent where we lived was pricey and we didn't want to have to pay for the whole thing on our own. It was in a very nice area, but not close enough to the city, so most people that told us they would drop by to check the place out would flake out last minute. Eventually we found this person that seemed to be a very nice and laid back girl. 
She then explained how she was only looking for a place for her boyfriend, Dan. Now, I tend to see people's auras when I meet them, and I always get a certain feeling when I don't like them immediately. I'm not a judgmental person in the slightest, it's just something I feel and can't help. I did not like this person straight off the bat, but I tried to give them the benefit of the doubt because everyone else seemed to be okay with him, so I thought I might be wrong, and I was hoping I was. As the time went by, said Dan started being super loud, invited people over on weeknights till 4am, playing music loud enough for it to sound like it was being played from our room, etc. Annoying stuff like that, too, and being beyond disrespectful, especially to me. Max wouldn't do anything about it, and I'm kind of glad because I know Dan would have wanted to fight him or something. Dan was 22 at the time, but had the mentality of a 12-year-old. On a side note, 